0: Hello, my name is Ken Barrett and welcome to Brainland podcast number five. Here's the thing. We set out to do just four podcasts talking about the background to our opera Brainland, but having created this space where brain science, the arts and humanities mingle, it seemed too good a space to waste. So we've asked some other people who've not been afraid to cross boundaries to talk to us about their work, and they all said yes. Uh, As to the guests on this podcast, I have to say we're setting the bar high. Uh, Dame Professor Uta Frith and Professor Chris Frith, both fellows of the Royal Society, are talking with me about their amazing book Two Heads, a collaboration with their writer-son Alex and illustrator Daniel Locke. They were fascinating and just delightful to spend some time with. And Alex and Dan have also agreed to speak to me later in the month, and that will go out as part two. So, on we go with Brainland podcast number five. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for agreeing to chat to us uh, about your book. I was thrilled when you uh, you said you, you'd you come on this. I'll have done a brief intro, but can I just ask you to introduce yourselves and say just in a nutshell something about your background?
1: Um, well, I'm Ulta Frith and I'm an Emeritus Professor of Cognitive Development at um, University College London. Um, I um have done work on autism, on dyslexia, and more recently with Chris on more general themes on how we uh, socially interact with each other, how we can track each other's feelings and beliefs and knowledge, and how this might sometimes go wrong.
2: Yeah, I'm Chris Frith. I'm Emeritus Professor of Neuropsychology, but also a visiting fellow at the Institute of Philosophy. And my background was in natural sciences originally, but I then trained as a clinical psychologist, did a lot of work on schizophrenia, which has very interesting social dimension. And then I was lucky enough to be among the first to get access to brain imaging machines. And we did a lot of work on trying to link up the mind and the brain, which is what neuropsychology really means. And then together with Uta, we became more and more interested in social interactions and how to study them.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, can I call you Uta and Chris? Is that okay? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and we're here to talk about your book, Two Heads. So as the two of you, it seems particularly appropriate. And uh, Alex and Dan have agreed to chat uh, later, I'm really thrilled about. But so can I start by asking how you describe Two Heads?
1: Well, we want it to be, at the same time, um, a fun book with lots of pictures Um, that you really enjoy delving into, and to some a book that presents serious science. And we really have tried to do something that can combine those two uh, otherwise unusually uh, combined areas.
2: But we also wanted it to be a sort of history of neuroscience, because that more or less coincides with our lifetime, and um, show some of the key events But in particular, I guess we wanted to try and show what experiments are really like, how they work. So we were keen to show our friends who had actually done the experiments what actually happened. And it's interesting because although we write these papers which are very dry and full of words, experiments are best shown in pictures, what people did and what the results were. And certainly when you look at the brain, you want to have pictures of the brain.
0: Well, I have to say, I mean, it's a comic book with 309 academic references at the end, so it's it's a bit special, isn't it, really? I should, I should confess a, a bias here, because I'm a fan of the comic graphic medium, I think very visually, and I think there's a type of storytelling that that careful mix of words and picture does really well. And really, I think you nailed it, actually. I mean, uh, how did you come up with the idea?
1: I suppose we are, we are we are comic fans as well.
0: We are comic fans, but it's mainly because of
2: our son, Alex, who has been a comic fan from earliest ages, and we have boxes and boxes in the house of <laughs> 2008 and things like that. We have um, that in the loft, yeah. <laughs> but one of the reasons was that we were invited to give some lectures in Paris. And uh, every day we walked through the city and we went down this particular street, which is entirely full of shops selling graphic novels. Oh, wow. <laughs> and of course, French graphic novels are much superior to...
0: <laughs>
1: yeah and, yeah and, and Italian
2: I've just discovered actually yeah, yeah, right. I my daughter-in-law's Italian so I'm <laughs>
1: yeah, that's so you go into
2: these shops and you'd find a you know Spider-Man next to Proust or something <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it's much more respectable isn't it yeah isn't we,
1: we had, uh, had to commit ourselves to to write a book uh, covering the lectures that we were giving. Ah, right. Uh, this this is actually to do. We we got a got a joint price, which was wonderful and surprising about this, you know, about uh, our joint work and that's what our lectures were about and at the same time we um, you know, the price specified
2: Yes, they wouldn't give us the money until we signed a contract
0: <laughs> to write a book yes. oh, But they didn't specify what genre did they?
1: <laughs> no, they didn't and, and we thought it would be so much nicer to write uh, uh, that kind of unusual book than an, a traditional academic book and we did get some money, we got something like 10000 euros right. or something no, like know. that and we we thought we can use this money to start it because we would need to pay um an artist you know at least you know some in installments we need to buy a, a lap a dedicated laptop for our son that he could really work with and and that was the, the idea we didn't even think of um uh, uh approaching a publisher we thought nobody will take this on we will sort of self-publish yeah. it, you know, put it
2: on a website mm-hmm. and thought about it. But then we went around telling people about this at <laughs> and suddenly this agent turned up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it. Well, it was really, really yeah. remarkable. But again, there, you know, the, the agent was a, a, a comic fan as well. And yeah, so yeah. it's a really nice idea. Um, but it, I, I, we have since discovered that it's quite a select... Some Population people, yes. isn't it quite some true.
0: people just don't like comic books.
1: They just can't. Well, enjoy-
0: especially Brits, strangely, but I mean, I, I think you know, in Belgium, oh, yes. France, yes. Italy, and and Germany. I mean, you know, to tell us about Max and Moritz you mentioned in there. Ah yes, yes, you. to me. I, I've never heard of them.
1: Oh really? I I was brought up with them, and I think our children were brought up with them. Um, they they were nineteenth century um, comic book strips, and uh, together with um, some nice, uh, fun sort of uh, verses, rather than you know text. Yes,
2: it's very much if you like in the olden Rupert Bear stories, no, no. A little verse under each. But very naughty, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: Except yeah. Very naughty, very yeah. naughty, and. Um, and of course the, the author is Wilhelm Busch, who is an, an excellent um artist and and a, a, a humorist. So he combined all this and um I think they, they've had a, a very big
2: But they yeah. were mostly for adults, weren't
1: they? They were, they were. Oh, but children oh, oh. enjoyed them as much as adults. Um, so, though there were sort of little stories that, that came out, and naturally, we have the collected works, at least in one edition, <laughs> if not in several. Well, I <laughs> took a
0: good bit of a dive into this. I mean, it seems incredibly you influential. should. You should well, I mean, good. more broadly on comics. I mean, even like Winker yeah. Watson and the Dandy, or was in like this. Are, they are even, so clever. Yes,
1: they I are think so clever. Are,
2: there was this American strip called The Cats and the Yama Kids, who I think were based, it's directly totally based on Totally Oh, Ripple. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And even even um, uh, Werner von brown, brown named his first two rockets after them. I've read in, in Wikipedia, uh, which I is know. <laughs> which is a bit of a iconic status, isn't it? Really. <laughs> so comics featured in your early life as well, did they, they Chris?
2: Well, certainly yes. I mean, I you know my parents were very keen that I should
0: read the Eagle. Oh, not just and, look and learn. My my, my fellow uh, librettist uh, Andy, that, that look and learn was the only one that was allowed in the house, which was like. Uh, like so deprivation, I think visual deprivation. and yeah, the eagle. Well, that was yeah, uh, classic. and Dan Dare and all that stuff. Yeah. But,
2: <laughs> but I should say that we did actually have written the academic book as well. Yeah, we did. Oh, really? In parallel. Yes, uh, sort of in parallel, no, the no. academic book took much longer because there are a hundred times more references, but it's right. coming out in September. Oh, right.
0: OK, OK, OK. So we,
1: <laughs> we consider it as a kind of uh, b- back story. Um, <laughs> if you really want to know more about yeah, well, so,
0: so the academic, this, the, the comics, the, the two heads is a backstory to the academic book? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Oh, it must but, have been such fun. But this and sort is sort of an uncompromisingly... Um, um, tedious academic book where you have to... No, it's you
0: know. slightly better than that. <laughs> well, I mean, unusual aspect of, of Two Heads is how personal this is. I mean, your comic avatars appear on almost every page and there's lots about your research. Yeah,
1: that's a, that was, a, in a way, uh, that's that's due to our son and he right. persuaded us that that was yes. OK to do. We, we were
2: very dead. worried. I was going to say, how did you feel about that?
1: Did you uh, we saw, but he's he's shown
2: thing? us these various other comic books, like was it The Funhouse, Bechtel? Oh, and okay. And Others, there's this French person, but I mean, they're all, most, many of the best-selling comic strip books are actually or, very Fun autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is- he also told us that we were worried that being on every page would be a bit sort of too boastful. And he said, it's all right as long as you come out in a bad light.
0: <laughs> Which you don't. Oh, no, you come across as really wonderful. I was, I was I felt relaxed. I, I feel I've sat looking at you, you know, for hours really reading the book twice. And uh, you know they they um they don't really do justice your comment of it I would have to say but uh,
1: I, I, I think we we were sort of persuaded that we were mostly made fun of and yeah. that was okay that was uh, tolerable but you know it's still uh, a little bit worrying to us that there is so much
0: well I, I think no I think it really works it, it does personalise it and, and it, it breaks down the barrier but compared to more detached academic writing it, it must have felt really strange to oh yeah, you know, yeah. To foreground yeah. yourself so much, really.
1: Yeah, I know. that, But it's interesting because um, we we haven't had complaints about it. All no, our looked.
2: colleagues on the... All our colleagues seem to like it. Wow. <laughs> um, we were well, the, the ones who <laughs> talk to us... Yeah, the sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard from the other ones. But we have heard from people who just can't even, you know, want to look at it. I mean, it's, you know, they, they sort of say they just can't get on with with this kind of format and and in what in a way um it it's not you know for everyone because it's it has a certain it 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 needs some prior experience in reading comics you know just like reading books you have to have experience you can't Oh, I
0: agree I mean it's like listening to classical music you know you you have to be educated you have
1: to be you Uh, yeah certain conventions and know that you know what what might happen uh that panels can sort of cross each other and suddenly the format changes all of these things are, are part of a kind of grammar i suppose that um you you absorb if you if you look at a lot of comics absolutely and so you and, need that background don't you that kind of yeah,
0: yeah. oh I, well I, th- I guess so i mean i i i am quite i'm visual lady quite visual anyway and and uh, and so I think maybe it's not for everybody. Fair enough. You, you know, you, some people just can't, don't get it. Really, do you? you don't you? Don't. Yeah, that's they that's have the, to be hyperlexic. End. Put it that way. Some people. I
2: think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, As I mean, the book. Our role really was to think of our favourite experiments. And roughly the order in which they should be, but the
0: most of the work was done by Alex. Yes. Oh, right. Well, it, yeah. yeah, and, and Dan. God, I mean, the, the, the hardest working people in the, the arts, aren't it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. of illustrate three hundred pages. I mean, heaven knows how yeah. many.
1: And she was very, very, very quick in response and responsive, wow. you know, and changing yeah. and. Because uh, Alex and he constantly negotiated as to what the panels should contain. So I think initially uh, Alex always suggested, you know, he he had the layout like a like in a
0: um, storyboard. Storyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Say yeah.
1: here picture of such and such and such and such, and then he what would come back would then you know maybe change the view and saying oh, we can't really tell it like that and. They had to do something. Yeah, other. I'm
0: really looking forward to chatting about. But it about, took, about it took
1: many years. It took many years. I mean, COVID
0: really. was in the middle of it. How did COVID impact on uh, on on your process? Well, did not it not at all, of not course. Really? No.
1: <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a bonus, I think, in this
2: case. Uh, was not the main problem that Alex had another child? Well,
1: yes, oh. the, <laughs> that's right. The, that that there were lots of yeah. I mean, he, you know, has a. A daytime job, and he could. Did he do it sort of like very early in the morning? Oh,
0: yeah. oh sleep deprivation. Is somebody yeah. who
1: can get up early?
0: Yeah, like, no. Osborne freed him to do this, didn't it? Really, but wow. Yeah. What, uh,
1: what a, how, long, how long did it take then? We think seven years or something. Well, uh, that book, oh, you know, but that it's... that one probably two. Four years. No more. Really? Than wow. wow. No, more wow. than that. Yeah. I think they will tell you. They yeah, will tell yeah. you but more fun
0: than the academic book to write a, i i would imagine mm. much yeah. more fun much
1: yeah. more fun and and in a in a way also giving us slightly different insights i mean it was mm. it was interesting what came up more uh, more frequently and um yeah. you know that certainly um you know and and we realized what might be more difficult to communicate or yeah, quite well, easy yeah. um
2: that, yes, in that particular, makes... we had fun trying... I mean, there were two things that were difficult. First of all, we had the section on what we call the replication crisis. We were trying to talk about statistics and things like
1: yeah.
2: this. And the other one, which we never really saw probably, is how to
0: explain recursion. Yeah. But you can do that beautifully in pictures. Yeah, visually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you pack a lot into 300 pages, but what are your sort of key messages for the book? What do you want people to, like... to take away?
1: I think there are there are I mean, you know, there are these separate experiments which are kind of a message about how uh, neuroscience um, has uh, progressed from not you know not so very long ago. You it's it has a historical uh, slant, as you as you know, just to say. You know, we are still at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. um, but these are some things that we found. So that's the sort of key message that it's an interesting subject mm-hmm. and it's still got a long way to go yet.
2: But I guess also we wanted to try and convey a bit about the mind and the brain, and I suppose hidden between the lines is an anti-dualist
0: story. Yeah.
1: Well, there, there's quite a bit about free will, isn't yeah. there? Trying to explain, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think there's sort of two two heads better than one. Really, that's you. You, you don't finish the phrase, do you? And and that seems to be where the heading comes from. though, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I know that's sort of dear to your heart, which this this sort of diversity and lots of opinions going. Yes, and yeah. yeah. we
1: have a big, big um, <clears throat> emphasis on on diversity and and the benefits from that, and also problems which we you know want to not not. But I really guess mind. also
2: to show that you can actually study this with hard line yeah, yeah. experiments. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it's incredibly diverse. I mean, five pages, for example, I noted down, you move from Galen's Anatomy to Dancing Fish, to Professor of Accounting's Research, to the function of the chordate nucleus, to babies playing to the audience. I mean, five pages, <laughs> really. I mean, chapter by chapter, you could devote a whole podcast series to it, really. But, I mean, you talked about two of the really tricky ones, chapters. What What are your favourites? Do you have a sort of...
1: Ah, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about that. What what, what are your yeah, favourites? look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are our favourites? I think the, the, the historical ones I'd quite like. I, I thought
0: that, I was going to say, chapters one and five, I did some neuroscience teaching until Ah, this year, and so the history stuff, I think, is, you know... It's it's good, isn't it? I mean, it could be a standalone comic, that, for me. I mean, you know, that chapters one and five, you know, doctored a little. I'd stick a bit about EEG in, maybe, but, you know, but it's so yeah, don't know much about
1: that do we e g yeah
0: you do, but later on, but not sort of in the history it's just, you know burger's in the opera, so we're biased really about this you know <laughs> but it's, it's sort of a, yeah yeah yeah, you know, yeah yeah um but yeah, I think it works so well at one page for all these you know like, uh, like kayal and uh, Broca, broker everything's got a page and it's so good visually, so no plans to standalone comics to sort of disaggregate it and just... <laughs> no <laughs>
1: but um and it's very nice to hear that from you that you think that was is quite can be quite useful We were very much hoping I think that perhaps um you know undergraduates or or a-level students in psychology Absolutely, yes. would be able to use this and and actually then go to the references and and uh, you know go deeper if they wanted to but as, as far as we so, know, no. That hasn't happened. Um, it may be considered too much of a, um, you know, uh, but I entertainment rather think- than yeah. uh, yeah. a study book. I don't know. But uh, in, a, in a way, that's what we very much wanted, would have liked. If,
0: oh, if- any sort of publicity is good in that sense. You know, to sort of bring it to people's attention. I don't mean, really needs to be, really. And, and, yeah. You know, I mean I've, I've read other um you know factual books. I've ordered the one you mentioned in your acknowledgement, uh, Logic Comics. Yes. Oh, that's yeah.
1: wonderful, isn't it? sounds really
0: interesting. I've, oh, I've I've not come yet. I'm waiting to Oh, re- you re- will re- enjoy much. that. But it's they're awesome. often t- t- a bit too verbal really. You know, there's illustrations, but and I think the fact you were very spare with your words and pictures, it was very Careful, uh, which, I mean, Alex may have had a big role in sort of yeah. detailing you know, yeah. text, as he knows how to do that.
1: be able to hear from them directly, yeah. yeah
0: exactly, yeah. Um, I, I read your uh, translation of uh, Asperger back in the day, Uta, and oh. your book, because I, I dealt in part with people with uh, oh, right. autistic spectrum. So not surprisingly, theory of mind, autistic spectrum is one of the key threads Um yeah. And yeah. you worked hard to raise the profile of that. I mean, well, how do you feel about where we are compared to 30 years ago?
1: Well, mm. um, I'm I'm a little bit uh, worried uh, at the moment that there is too much overdiagnosis going on. I mean, I started from being very convinced there was underdiagnosis mm. and we needed, you know, raise awareness and tell us stories and, um, you know, uh, really, uh, I was very pleased about you know films like Rain Man and so on coming up, and to to make to make the whole idea about autism more, um, you know, you know that people can understand and actually interact with such people, they would know, yeah, you know, everybody would know somebody like that. But unfortunately, this whole thing has gone beyond. <laughs> What I think is is a sort of, and and it has gone towards a a kind of watering down of the criteria, of the diagnostic criteria, to such an extent that, that we just get too many people who self-diagnosis autistic or get a diagnosis because very easy now to get such a diagnosis well they're not just
0: autism. i mean in the news it was about ADHD, uh, yeah, yeah wasn't six, it, 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 really it seems season. to me about all the developmental issues unlike something like yeah. schizophrenia yeah. which is like a categoric difference the it's dimensions different. you know we all sort of pick up sort of yeah. Our yeah. traits. you know what i mean and, and-
1: i i'm saying that uh, that's a that's a dangerous confusion sure. of what's autistic like yeah. You know, as a personality, with yeah, yeah. features and so on, and what's really autistic? It's
0: where you draw the line, in other words. Yeah,
1: that's very difficult to draw a line. Very there is no uh, There is no biological marker, and I'm not quite sure where it's going. But it's not. I think there was a time, or maybe that still is the case, that people think, well, it's it's harmless, you know, to overdiagnose. I think there are some bad effects of that. Mm. Um, that that you know consequences that weren't anticipated, and and people might um, really um, miss out on not just sort of thinking I can't do this because I'm autistic, but rather you know en- enjoy being autistic, like and have such yeah, yeah. skills and Well, so that, I
0: think that neurodiversity and uh, non-neurotypical yes, is really it. big
1: is positive, but some of it is also uh, like um, uh, victimhood, you know, saying um, you know, life is so hard for me and I I have more needs and other people need to provide all these yeah. things and, and in fact that's our, it's not a kind of belief that we have in our social interaction, no person is, is alone and can say, you know, I'm the victim and you are um, you know going to look after me uh, right. but it's, it has to be mutual whatever it is, there has to be some kind of adaptation I mean we depend on it on both sides, on both sides. Yeah. yeah I mean I, I stayed in
0: uh psychiatry as a junior doctor because I got fascinated by schizophrenia um but thanks to a paper of yours Chris uh, I got drawn into research and then into wow. new psychiatry really and so the whole of the last 30 years of my life has kind of down to you really I'm sorry so, in a good way in a good way um uh, because I, I I talked to somebody about a research project, somebody who's in the opera, actually. Uh, and uh, and it was a rubbish idea. And he didn't kick me out. He said, have you read anything interesting? So this really exciting paper uh, about <laughs> pre-conscious information processing. And he said, oh, did you know we're looking at information processing electrophysiologically? Here, uh-huh. oh, would you be interested in hearing about it? Oh,
1: that's well, great. That was
0: the rest of my life, really. It was oh, you know, really so, really? so. Thanks for that. It's been it's been good. It's been exciting. How did working with those people, those people with schizophrenia, who, who I spent a lot of time with early on, and certainly for my research, how did that change your view of mind, Chris? Well, I, I guess there were there were two um,
2: two things. First of all, I mean, we were involved in a very early study of the effects of thick soul, and that was nice because you had. It was in two isomers, so one of them blocked dopamine and the other one didn't. So you have a very nice tight control. And this showed, as has been shown many times before and since, that blocking dopamine receptors has an effect on the symptom. And that was a epiphany, is that the right word? Anyway, <laughs> that suddenly made me realize that studying psychology was actually all about the brain. Right? <laughs> But this is Northwick that, Park, was it? Uh, Northwick because, Park. I mean,
0: that was like the epicenter when I was training. It was the the place to be, Northwick Park. If you were. And also, there was the brain
2: imaging. So that's why I was got into managed to get into brain imaging very early because we did some of the first structural imaging studies of schizophrenia. So there was clearly something funny going on in the brain, although still nobody knows what. So that was one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it, I guess, but so you had this tight relationship between. Physiology and um, beliefs about the world, which is quite a long way apart, oh, as cool. it were. Yeah, 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 yeah. really. And I guess the other thing was the sort of stories they told. And because um, I, I, it was a wonderful time at Northwick Park because my lab, so called, which contained a, one of
0: the early computers, was in the middle of the acute psychiatric ward. A PDP eleven. 11 I right. was on a PDP twelve, yeah. Size of a wardrobe and thirty-two K <laughs> memory, yeah. So that so really and took me back that. <laughs> it cost about the same as a house. Yeah. So <laughs> of
2: course houses were cheap in you know? that <laughs> yeah. and um and the whole and I was also reading Philip K. Dick and it's the same he was deeply paranoid, but it's all about, you know, things are not what they seem. And the question which really brought me into this sort of Bayesian story, how do we how do we interpret what's going on in the world? And the idea that it's not as easy as it looks. We don't have direct access. It all depends on our prior right. expectations. And, they, and why should their, their view of the world be any any worse than mine? That was the sort of key. And I guess now what I'm particularly interested in, because of our moving more and more into social cognition, that seems to me one of the interesting differences about people with schizophrenia is that their views of the world is not constrained by what other people think. Whereas all of the rest of us
0: are strongly constrained by what other people think. And so it's an autistic spectrum. There's a link there, I suppose, as well. Um, I mean, i I was surprised in the book um, is that you're a psychologist, you're a clinical psychologist trained, and yet you're nice to psychiatrists. I mean, this book, you know, (laughs) you seem even quite friendly to them, you know, and you allow some of them in. I mean, Eve Johnson did this. uh, Oh, that's right. I mean, Eve Johnson is still my
2: good friend and I speak to her every Sunday. Um, But that was... Essentially a result of working at Northwick Park. So before that I was at the Institute of Psychiatry with Isaac. Oh
0: right, okay. Basically
2: (laughs) taught us to hate psychiatrists. Northwick (laughs) Park. And it was a very small unit and there's about one person in each discipline. And we all had coffee together. And certainly the research depended on this collaboration. And that's been the same ever since. So if you want to do if you're not a psychiatrist and you want to do research on schizophrenia, you have to have a friendly psychiatrist as part of the team.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I was interested why you moved to imaging, though. I thought that was interesting, you mentioned in the book. That was almost accidental, wasn't
2: it? We had, at Northwick Park, they were very keen on new developments, and I think it was then called EMI scanning came yeah. in,
0: yeah.
2: after EMI. Mm-hmm. And we would, did some very early work with, um, what were they called, gamma cameras, and I was one of with where some radioactive drug and scans came in. They became PET scanners. And we had an interaction with the Hammersmith Hospital where they had the first PET scanners and we were sending patients there to be scanned. That was actually quite fascinating because on one occasion we sent a patient there to be scanned who met all the criteria for schizophrenia. And when they scanned them, they found a big tumour in the frontal lobes. They said, these psychiatrists are completely incompetent.
1: It wasn't called schizophrenic.
2: And in in those days, (laughs) in DSM-3 or whatever it was, if there was a known brain abnormality then that's not schizophrenia (laughs) yeah yeah of course yeah you could the time in autism Mm -hmm. you could have lewy bodies or something like that Mm -hmm. no no Uh, whatever
1: comorbidities yes you were allowed to have comorbidities
2: with schizophrenia you weren't I mean epilepsy
1: that was the sort of thing that uh, anyway
2: so we're doing this and then I then the Hammersmith Hospital got this new PET scanner and they could actually do psychological type tasks and I was involved in sort of designing some of the tasks that people would do. But the main thing was that the MRC decided to close down Norfolk, the Northwick Park Research Unit and they had to do something with me. And they sent me to the, the scanning But it must have been
0: incredibly exciting at the time. I mean, it was like magic, wasn't it? Those functional imaging early ones. Particularly
2: because we've been doing, what was it called? Cognitive neuropsychology. Big just then, which is, you know, looking at information processing in neurological patients with known lesions and trying to work out, you know, particularly in relation to reading, there's one area that's to do with the text and another area that's to do with the meaning and all that sort of thing. And you had these sort of, box and arrow diagrams and you started putting
0: brain regions on top of the boxes. Oh, yeah. it was simplified, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could suddenly do it for real. And then fMRI messed all that up, didn't it, really? It got much more complicated, didn't it? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, the other exciting thing was the developments in computing,
2: which <laughs> I think is due to Moore's law, whatever it was. So when we started doing PET scanning, we had to wait eight minutes between each scan for the radiation to decay. And this gave just enough time to transfer all the data. Oh, right. And yeah. then what, five years later, we had fMRI. Yeah. We, were, we were producing a hundred times more data and
0: transferring essentially instantly. Yeah, and that went. Uh, we, um, I did a talk on on neuro everything really once, and, and uh, at, at Sunday it was everywhere, wasn't it? Neuro law, neuro theology. You, you know, everybody wanted a piece of the brain yeah. for their. People, little... The standard phrase for that was neuro bollocks. <laughs> Um, I was fascinated to read uh, that you were really brave inviting an anthropologist into your research team, or somebody did, um, uh, to, yes. to, to, which changed your direction, didn't it? Really, changed your or gave it a later life sort of. Um, later the anthropologist's direction
2: as well. That was a very much a mutual adaptation. Yeah,
1: that was very good.
2: So that was Andreas who came from Denmark, who'd previously done work on fishing in Greenland or something. But he had originally trained as a neuroscientist, so he had a bi- A biologist, a biologist. Yeah, yeah. A neurobiologist, yeah. But he came and observed what went on and he came he became part of my group essentially. He did write a paper about this, which we hint at in the comic book where he likened um the functional imaging lab
0: to a Edwardian house. He yeah. draws a picture. Yeah, Dan draws a yeah. Multi-layered thing, yeah, yeah. So you're all stratified, weren't you? Really, bit... very
2: stratified, very hierarchical. <clears throat> and you had at the bottom in the basement, you had the scanners, where you were looking at nature, as it were. This is where the evidence from nature was coming in, and then it worked its way up to the top, and then really got to the top. You wrote a paper, which hopefully then went to Nature.
0: That was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <clears> but, Did
0: it change? Did you flatten the hierarchy after that, or was it just a, a interesting? No, I mean that,
2: that shortly after, not long after that, I was told that because I was sixty-five, I would have to retire. Right. So we immediately got this five-year research project in Genma- Denmark. Yeah, right. In Aarhus, due to Andreas, due to Andreas, And, and that, an unusual department. It's an unusual department, a and that really was much flatter. So we yeah, moved yeah. To yes. much flatter. Yes, that's yeah. very,
1: very interesting. Yeah.
2: But he was the chap who talked about, what was it they talked about? I mean, taking account of the subject. I mean, nobody bothered. There was all this stuff on resting.
1: resting state. Resting
2: state. Blood when, flow. When or, people. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. The blood uh, no network. That's that sort of
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. and no
2: yeah. one bothered to ask the people who were had, supposedly in this resting state what they were actually thinking about. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is I think very much
0: what Andreas brought in, that yeah. you should actually ask people what they thought they were doing in the scale. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: In an earlier podcast we talked about William Grey Walter. I mean, did you come across his book The Living Brain in the sixties? So, yes. Yes, I know. Did I? I probably read it. I don't know. But we
2: he had certainly had have it. I was certain he was he had, he had this wonderful idea that you could with the
0: EEG, you could detect when someone was going to make a movement and you could control that. A... In, his, in his book, though, he 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 had it written in the 50s and then re-released by Pelican in 61. Um, it, he had great hopes for the EEG, not just clinically, but thought better marriages, maybe maybe peace negotiations. You know, he had these fantastic hopes that this would help identify who you should be talking to how you should talk to people. I picked up some of that from your book, actually, an ambition about if people could only get inside each other's heads more. Um, which more realistically, probably, really, is that is that fair? Yes, I think that's fair. But I, but mean, I think,
2: we, I more, think we,
1: we do talk about the dark side.
2: We talk about the dark.
1: Side.
2: I mean, that's quite interesting because recently we've been thinking about theory of mind and mentalizing, right? And the evidence is that what theory of mind and mentalizing is best for is in competitive
0: situations. Oh, okay. We
1: you want to outsmart other outsmart. people. Oh, so, right, right, right. So they're using that for peace negotiations...
0: No, not good.
1: <laughs> it, would, it would lead to, you know, really... Um,
2: well, isn't that how peace negotiations yeah. work? Because each side has to think that they've fooled the other. Yeah,
0: yeah. As opposed to compromise, really. I think that's yeah. and, is that what's exciting you at the minute, then? Is, is that sort of subject? Or, or are you pursuing something
1: else? I mean, it, no, we... We're
0: doing very little with research.
1: I think we, we have to, you know, downsize a bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you're, you're enjoying yourself. Oh, uh,
1: right? getting, getting... Um,
2: but I was talking uh, to a young man who I worked with long ago who now has a joint appointment, you know, at UCL and some war institute in somewhere in the States.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy, actually. <laughs> DARPA is a whole other subject, yeah. actually, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in fact, the, one thing we do within the opera is military funding of, of neuroscience within the 50s. We're running out of time. I didn't want to take more than 40 minutes of the Zoom. It's been fantastic. Really it's,
1: been, it's been a pleasure for us, and we look forward to the opera. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
0: well, we've applied for some money in the grant, and partly the reason having a podcast and wanting to get it out there a bit more. Um, and so something's definitely going to happen. We're recording a uh, two scenes in in November. So we'll send you a ticket if we go to Oh, <laughs> <We're>
1: good! good.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much. It's, it's been fun. brilliant.
1: Thank no, you. Thank you very much.
0: Bye. Wow, what a privilege! How good was that? Thanks to Uta and Chris Frith for their time. Uh, I highly recommend Two Heads. It's a trailblazer, and all credit to Bloomsbury Publishing for taking it on. See you again for part two when I speak to Alex Frith and Daniel Locke for their side of the story. Bye.